I'm going to share this morning about raising your level of expectation. I really believe, I've heard prophetic people, I felt it all year that God said the last part of 2022 was going to be a lot of breakthroughs. There's 21 more days in 2022, and I just encourage you to raise your level of expectation. I've heard more people having breakthroughs this past few months, and they're going to happen here. I woke up this morning, and I saw Pastor Zach, a picture of him dressed in a military uniform. And I just feel like God's saying, you're stepping into new authority. But also, he said to me, you're going to be so gratified that more than you've ever dreamed as far as what God's going to do. You are going to, you both are going to experience gratification. And I believe it has to do with the coming move of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, this woman called her husband one day and she says, uh, he's at work. She said, you know, when... When we got, when I got pregnant, you told everybody we're pregnant. Yeah. And you know, when the baby came, you told everybody we have a baby. Yeah. And she said, well, we just wrecked the car. A uh, <coughs> uh, hundred years ago, the average person had a horse. And only the rich had cars. Now, the average people have cars, and only the rich have horses. The stables have turned. One more. I don't know if you've ever heard of Robert Alder. He was born in 1913, somewhere in the 50s. He, he invented the remote control. That's why a lot of us have more on the back side because of him getting my drift. Uh, anyway, he died in 2007, but he, he invented the remote control. And in honor, when they buried him, they buried him between two couch cushions. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, I don't know when I was here last, kind of in a silly mood. The only place you can get gas for $1.39 is Taco Bell. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, I got four short points of this, this thing about expectation. <laughs> Uh, a friend told me once, he said, if God can get you laughing, he can get his fist in your mouth without breaking any teeth. All right. That better? Am I on with this one? All right. Let's ditch this. Okay. All right. This is from uh, the first point of raising your level of expectation because I believe we're getting ready to see miracles like we've never seen. Um, the other day in... Round Lake, Illinois, a uh, pastor I hadn't seen for probably 20 years came into the meeting. He pastored the church a few miles away, but he just came in that meeting. During the worship, the, the Lord, I felt the Lord say he's going to heal arthritis. And that man came in. He's only 54 years old, and his hands are all crippled up. He showed me pictures. They look like golf balls on his hands. 
He said a doctor touched his hand and brought him to his knees. He said the pain was so severe. And he said, I couldn't play the keyboard anymore. Anyway, during the meeting, he was never prayed for, but he raised his hand and said, I'm healed. I'm totally healed. And he and all the pain's gone from his whole body, but his, his hands are perfect, perfectly functional. And he said life was, he said, I was in misery. Misery. But God's going to do more. And I just encourage you to raise your level of expectation. Who knows what God will do? It says in, uh, in number one point of this is stay focused. This is from Acts chapter 10. There was a man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian Regiment. Forget about it. And a devout man who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. So he kind of has four characteristics. He's a very devout man. He feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God all the time. What a guy. He was focused. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius, when he observed the angel, he said, he was afraid. He said, what is it, Lord? And the Lord said, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. God's saying, you've prayed so many prayers, you've given so many alms, I'm going to have to have a garage sale. Things are just stacking up around here. But because of his focus, because of his consistency, all of a sudden this breakthrough came and Cornelius was used. You know you know the story where God appeared to Peter and, and told him to, to go and meet with him. And anyway, he was an instrument to lead all the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. So stay focused. Harry Truman, President Harry Truman, was before my time, but he always said uh, about Congress, he said, dealing with you is like trying to push a string. And there are people like that. They won't focus. They just are always meandering out there. They will not stay focused. And Harry Truman, his wife, he always used the word manure. Everything he would talk about, he always used the word manure. And they, people came to his wife and said, tell him to stop using the word manure. And he, she said, it took me 30 years to get him to say manure. Uh, <clears throat> anyway. But if you get that picture in your mind, trying to, put, trying to push a string, because there has to be something in us. When we get mail every day I bring it in from the mailbox and my wife stands there and she goes this is junk this is junk this is junk this is junk this is good this is good and the Lord spoke to me a lot of our thoughts are junk mail and we need to get rid of them one day she got hit by a spirit of fear concerning her her son had an affliction and and the Lord said to her devil's thoughts <laughs> Those are just devil thoughts. And we have to resist devil thoughts. We have to resist junk mail. So number one, choose to be focused. Focus, focus. Sometimes our lives are too crowded. We have too many things going on. Number two, refuse to be distracted. For years, God has said to me, the two enemies of the church have nothing to do really with the devil. They're, the two enemies of the church are self-satisfaction and distraction. 
Here's a scripture in Hosea. It says in verse chapter 7, verse 8, Ephraim, Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a cake unturned or half-baked. Then he says, aliens have devoured his strength, and he does not know it. I believe aliens are distractions. Distractions devour our strength. Then it says, yes, gray hairs are here and there on him, and he doesn't even know it. Time's passing by. Time's being wasted, and, and we, get, we easily get distracted. When, when Nehemiah was building the wall, Sanballat and Gershom in Nehemiah chapter 6 says, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plan of Ono. But they thought to do me harm, so I sent messengers to them, saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. I love Nehemiah. I'm going to build this wall, and I refuse to be distracted. Because the devil would love to engage you in a conversation. The devil would love for you to just watch the news all day until you get so distracted and so despondent. It'll make you suicidal. Uh, so forth. So, um, a Big Mac, I think it's only $3.99, but it'll cost you your health. Netflix is. I think $17.99 a month, but it'll cost you your time. Social media is free, but it'll cost you your focus. Pastor in Birmingham used to say, if you get a if you feel some sickness coming on you, I just love this. He says, don't put pajamas on it. If you feel a cold coming on, don't put pajamas on it. We have to resist. We have to refuse. We have to declare. Wow. I've learned through my hundred years in ministry, hunger for God is the main thing. When people are hungry, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's not even about your track record. If you're hungry, God can work with you. You never go in a store and say, listen, I'd like to order a, a cup of lukewarm coffee, if you don't mind. You got any lukewarm coffee back there? You got any lukewarm tea? No. You either want cold tea or you want hot coffee. God's saying the same way. Either be cold or hot. When I was preaching, pastoring, I, I was harmed on this for weeks and weeks. And I said, you don't, obey, you don't earn your way to God. You don't earn your way. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. I preach on that. One night I had a dream, and my, my track coach was there. Was I, my, my ministry, my, my whatever, my athlete, prowess was in track. I was, I was a long distance runner. I was 135 pounds, but I've had a breakthrough. And, uh, the, the, but my track coach was sitting there and, and he says, and I knew he represented the Lord, but he looked at me. He was, he was watching me preach. And he said, no, you don't earn your way. You obey your way. I'll never forget it. So, stay focused. Refuse to be distracted. We had a neighbor in Kansas City. We live in Kansas City in the warmer months. We live in Alabama in the cooler months because I have a real allergy to blizzards. And uh, 
So one day my wife is in the garage and the neighbor lady's there. She's just kind of meandering around and getting her mail or something. My wife says, how are you doing? She said, oh, we're doing good. Except my husband has four-stage stomach cancer. And my wife said, well, I'm so sorry to hear that, but we'd be happy to pray with him. And he, she said, well, that would be great. How about 8 o'clock tomorrow morning? And then my wife said, we'll do it. We'll be there. And as she's walking away, my wife says, or she says to my wife, who are you going to pray to? <laughs> That's how ignorant it was. So we said, well, God? You know, anyway, we went in the next door. The man was shriveled down. To, he'd lost like 60 pounds. He worked for the Children's Hospital in Birmingham. He was very ill. His three little kids were sitting on his lap. And we walked in there. I, I'll tell you, I never felt so helpless, but... I remember praying with him and anointing him with oil and just giving a couple scriptures. And all of a sudden, these words came out of me. You're going to live to be an old man. And his dad, a great big old man standing there and pilot for some big air, airline, he started to sob out of control. <laughs> you know, just out of control. Anyway, about six weeks later, this guy that had four-stage stomach cancer he pulls up in front of my house. Now, he's our next-door neighbor. He pulls up. And he, he looks good. He's put on weight. And I said, how are you doing? He says, great. I just came from Jimmy John's. I thought, well, that would kill a normal person. <laughs> and and uh, he, he's, but, but he was totally healed. It got on the news all over Kansas City. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I... I can't take a, a symbol of credit for anything except it just, God did it. But I believe God's saying that. Raise your level of expectation. God wants to do greater things. Naaman the Syrian, it says, was a famous commander. He was, a, he, he was like four-stage cancer. And he heard a little girl saying, boy, if he was in Israel, you know, he'd get healed of his leprosy. He writes a letter to the king of Israel saying, I'm coming over to get healed. You all know the story. It's from 2 Kings chapter 5. But anyway, when he gets there with his entourage in front of the prophet's house, the prophet sends out a messenger, and I have a feeling he had a bad case of acne, but he comes out and he says, the word of the Lord to you is to go down to the river Jordan and dip in that river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed of any." this leprosy and it said Naaman was furious he was in a rage and he said I thought the man of God was gonna come out here and wave his hand over the place and leprosy would fly everywhere and and I'd be healed instead he's telling me to go down and dip in some dirty Jordan River sometimes the church has a bad reputation the river gets dirty sometimes, but it's because so many needs are in it. He talked about his rivers at home. My rivers at home, Abarna and Farfus, they, they have stained glass windows. You know, if I want to be healed, I'll go to them, those rivers. And there were some anti-abortionists there because the Bible's full of abortions. The Bible's full of abortions because, you, you know, let down your nets for a catch. Well, we've been out here all night and caught nothing, almost an abortion. It's easy to let the brain abort what God wants to do. 
we think our way out. We overthink. We quench the Holy Spirit by thinking too much. We have to raise our level of expectation. Who's no? Doesn't matter what the doctor said. Doesn't matter the report. Don't put pajamas on it. Just just say, Holy Spirit, who knows what you could do. The anti-abortionists were there and they said, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you'd have done it. He's told you to do something simple. Do it. And he went down and dipped and he got his flesh got clean like a little child. Powerful story in 2 Kings chapter 5. But God wants to do more. Don't let the brain abort. Because I'll tell you, if you think about it, think about Paul at in Acts chapter 9 at Lystra, he saw a man that had been crippled from his mother's womb. And Paul saw that he had faith to be made well. And he yelled at him, get up on your feet. And the man stood up. I think Paul was surprised. I think the man was surprised. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will brood. And if you think about it, you'll abort it. But just let the Lord move. One thing we know, God has to do it. Because none of us are capable of doing anything. Number three point. Refuse to be satisfied. Proverbs 27, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. Even the even a sweet honeycomb, he gets sick of it. I'm so tired of ice cream. That's kind of the attitude. Some of you aren't even awake yet, but but to but it says, but to a hungry soul, everything is sweet. Stay hungry. The problem with the church today, we have more information than we do revelation. We grow in head knowledge, but we're not growing in a knowledge of Him. The Lord told me in 2020 that this new move was going to be, it was, there's a move of God coming. Believe me, it's, we're right on it. We're on the verges of it. But He said it's going to be way different than people think. And... He said, and it's going to be rejected by religious people. Things are turning. They are turning. They are turning. I could get into a lot of stuff. But I think we need to pray for Elon Musk. Because, because he's a man that is, is a part of the turning going on. Exposing evil. I write this down. At the cross, you became God's project. God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to work a work in you. I was pleased with this. My brother and sister that got married yesterday. I just think it's so cool. Because they're yielding to the Holy Spirit. He that has begun a good work in you. Philippians 1.6. Is committed to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I used to battle such depression. People had in me tracks after I was saved. I, I had such a heaviness. But I'm going to leave this world in a stupid grin on my face because God's done a work. And God wants, He doesn't want to just save you. He wants to do a work in you. So you'll end this life in victory. doesn't matter how you came in life. I saw fires starting everywhere. I, I don't see this, this new coming move of God is going to hit any certain church. It's not going to hit the largest church. But God's going to start fires everywhere. Every church, churches this size, churches... Maybe 10 people, but there's going to be a blazing fire started. And it's going to happen everywhere. Like God's an arsonist. He's just starting fires everywhere. It has to do with us being hungry for Him. You think about, I don't know if any, have any 
Have you seen the Noah's Ark replica they build in near Cincinnati? You guys seen it? How many have seen that? It's, it's few of you, but it's, it's worth seeing because it's an exact replica of the way Noah's Ark. But I don't see how you could have gotten more than a couple hundred people in there. But there was supposedly 750 million people on the earth. And only eight people responded to the message. When Elijah said, I'm the only one left, God said, no, there's still 7,000 that haven't vowed to Baal. But when God said there's 7,000, there was multiple millions of people that had vowed to Baal. What I'm saying, and he says... They've not bowed to Baal, nor have they kissed him. I believe kissing Baal is being politically correct. You chicken. You're, you're, you're afraid. You're afraid. It's out of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We've got to tell the truth. We've got to stand up against. Hallelujah. So anyway. Number three was refuse to be satisfied. Here's the last one. Number four. Choose to believe. I just love this scripture. Here it comes. John chapter 4. Jesus came to Canaan of Galilee where he had made the water wine. There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for his son was at the point of death. So here's a desperate man, a desperate man. His son is dying. He's heard about Jesus comes to people's house. Jesus lays hands on people. People get healed. And you know what Jesus said when this man says, please, 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 please come down here. My son's at the point of death. Would you come down and heal him? Jesus turns around and looks at the crowd. And he says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Up to that time, people saw Jesus do it. But he was taking him to a higher realm. And he turns to this man who's desperate and his son is dying. And he says, go home. Your son lives. If I was the man, I would have said, what am I? Chopped liver? You go to everybody else's house. But it said the man believed the word. And he went his way. And it said as he was going... Delegation came from his house and said, Your son's alive. He let, when did he get better? Oh, yesterday, about three o'clock. That's exactly when Jesus spoke to me. But I thought that 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 just that sentence just kind of changed my life. The man chose to believe the word. God wants us to live this way. We need to dwell more in his presence till we hear the Holy Spirit articulate what he's going to do and believe it. And just believe it. You can't manufacture that. But if we can make ourselves available, I've told you before, don't just pray, marinate. Get in the presence of God and marinate. And let the Holy Spirit soak you, soak you, all of us, till, till we hear. Glory to God. Believe God. Believe God. Believe God. <clears throat> in Matthew 7, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders. He'll say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And 
the way the Lord illustrated this to me is just say I was a fan of, just say I'm a fan of some famous person. I'll just pick bad Brad Pitt because I look similar. And uh, the, the, uh, so, so I, I, I read a book about Brad Pitt. I watch movies about Brad Pitt. I, I study Brad Pitt. I know more about Brad Pitt than Brad Pitt knows about Brad Pitt. I am a scholar on Brad Pitt. One day I'm out in California and I'm walking through someplace and all of a sudden there's Brad Pitt. And I say, hi, Brad. What's he going to say? Depart from me. I don't know you. Now, here's the deal. We've do, we got to stop knowing facts about God and knowing. You see the point? Because we can know so many times we learn more about God. We more facts about God. But that's not what we want. We want to have a relationship where we know him. Because Brad Pitt's going to say, who are you? Get out of my face. I don't know you. You may know a lot about me. And a lot of people, I know a lot about God. I know a lot about... No, you got to know Him. Big difference. Hallelujah. So, choose to believe. We were in March 25th. I was in Quincy, Illinois. There's a word came one night. This guy was a pastor visiting from DeLeon, Texas. He was blind in his right eye because of a weed eater. The thing, the, the head flew off the weed, hit him in the eye, and he's blind. And that night, there's a word of the Lord comes and says, there's somebody here that your eye's been damaged. And this guy sits there, and he doesn't respond. And he told me later, he said, my whole family chewed me out the whole way home. And his 12-year-old daughter says, Dad, that's you. You're blind. Somebody's eyes damaged, that's you. And then he didn't, he didn't come up because somebody said, well, I had cataracts and maybe that. So we prayed for somebody. But anyway, that man sat on his rear. And next night he came and he said, boy, I'm not going to miss it. So the next night there's this word comes. There's somebody present that you've had surgery and the surgery didn't work. And this man sitting there, he's a pastor. His name is Heath Silva, DeLeon, Texas. And he's a pastor. And he's, he's, it was a pastor's conference. And he's, he said, well, I've had surgeries. They have removed my eyeball six times trying to get it corrected. And so he comes up. And he just stand, I remember him just standing there like that. And we prayed for a long time, probably 30 seconds. And uh, we, we just prayed like in tongues and stuff. And so I just said to him, your eyes been blind, right? I said, he said, yes, it's totally blind. I said, how can you see any better? He said, yeah, I'm seeing. I said, how much? Like 10%? He said, no, more like 80. <laughs> he was totally totally that blind I was healed he had been blind three years now what was crazy his wife standing there and she said there was a huge scar all along the side of his eye where that weed eater had hit she said the scar's gone and I've talked to him since and he's saying it's still good I talked to the 
pastor with arthritis the other day. It's still good. I'm still it, all the arthritis has gone from my body. And I tell you, I feel hallelujah. I feel God wants to do more. And, you know, God doesn't, you know, God's not using personalities. He's using it's his Holy Spirit, just people, ordinary people. You're carrying the goods. We're all carrying yes, the goods. Sir. Hallelujah. Yes, we, the, it's the Holy Spirit in us. You know, I've said this many times. God, it, it's not about you. It's, it, God is not going to, he doesn't have confidence in you, per se. He has confidence in the Holy Spirit who's in you. In other words, you can have the worst day and you can be the biggest sourpuss and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will use you because that virtue flows out of you.